This episode has been brought to you by Made With Rage. Made With Rage is a black British-owned Etsy store selling Harry Potter and Star Wars face masks, perfect for this current times, swimwear, bags, and loads more. All products have been handmade with love and care, and bespoke requests are welcome. To find out more, click on the link in the description, or visit etsy.com slash madewithrage0. You said you'd come. Lawrence, hope Good afternoon and welcome to episode number 81 of the Wulong Talks podcast. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know by now. And I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, uh, no longer the rustling kid, now simply known as Rich Reviews, aka Rich. Rich, say what's up, man? Uh, what's happening? I, I, can call me the kid. Call me the kid, man. Like, I still want to be young. I've got a little bit of a grey beard, but like I, I'm still... I'm still in good nick, man, but I'm good. I'm good. What's happening, Jay? Um, yeah, well, I got news for you. You're not in good nick, mate. You're old. I'm not, you know, <laughs> Sorry. My knees. It's my knees, mate. It's my knees. My knees are my lower back. <laughs> I took a look at myself in the mirror this morning and was just like, wow, I don't recognize this face. Who is this person? <laughs> I'm some gray old man. Um, yeah, and alongside the wrestling kid, we have two very special guests who are joining us here today to have a little chat about One Division, the thing that everybody is talking about. Well, most people in the world are talking about. Um, we have joining us today from Verbal Diorama, making her second appearance on the podcast. It's M. M. Welcome to uh, Wulong Talks, or welcome back to Wulong Talks. I know I'm back with the nicest guys in podcasting. This is literally my life made. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I have to also admit as well. Uh, the last time I was on this podcast uh, was in April 2019 because I had a look because uh, I couldn't remember exactly when. But that was my first ever guest hosting appearance on any podcast ever in the entire world. Oh wow! Okay. And now I'm back. Oh wow. finally you've you've finally allowed me to come back uh after much begging and pleading on my side uh you gave me every excuse under the under the sun and I was like no no no, please can I come back uh and you finally let me come back so uh so I'm really happy about that hello (laughs) well thank you thank you for joining us and we took a little bit of pity on you and thought uh you know (laughs) I mean things are going really bad for me right now my podcast is doing awful everything everything's just gone to pot so I'm I'm just grateful for the exposure to be honest yeah we, we we've exhausted the guest pool so it's like okay we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now who else can we bring in oh M, yeah let's bring it in and uh joining M is uh somebody who also has been on the Wulong Tools podcast before um a guy that I have a lot of fun chatting to on Twitter and um just an all-around good egg it's Dan from Dan's Distillery Dan welcome hey hey everyone thanks for having me back again um actually it was my first podcast was the the um first one I did with you guys as well so um yeah it's like the oh, same wow. 
Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah, thanks. But yeah, thanks for having me back. No problem at all, man. We, we seem to be taking podcast cherries everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Lock up your podcast, mothers. Lock up your podcast. <laughs> We're dangerous. Wow, wow. This just got super adult, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's probably my fault. I, uh, I do tend to do that on podcasts. <laughs> Things start to get raunchy. Uh, and it, it's always my fault. Yeah, I think I figured we should just set the tone out the gate, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's have fun. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as said, thank you guys both for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you with us as always. Um, and today, listeners, as said, we are going to run through the first two episodes of Marvel Studios' WandaVision, the first of a series of new television shows that Marvel Studios are planning to launch on the Disney Plus platform over the next, I guess, uh, 12 to 18 months, pretty much. Um, WandaVision is the first one out the gate. And, you know, naturally, there's been a lot of excitement around it and curiosity and uh, the two episodes dropped yesterday and um, they certainly delivered on the entertainment stakes but they've left loads of questions and loads of people confused so we're going to try and unpick things as much as we can as well as giving you our thoughts on the two episodes that we've seen so far but before we do that as always we will start off with just a little catch up with everyone to see what they've been up to this week aside from one division um, and if they can throw it any recommends and, and stuff for people so um our guests as you are guests here we'll we'll throw you under the bus and make you guys go first <laughs> so um em did you uh get to watch any interesting movies or tv shows this week or anything kind of fun and geeky i did as a matter of fact um I, I had to double check my letterboxd account because i i, I always forget what i've watched so um i did double check um and um, i've actually watched well a mixed, uh, a mixed bag of things this week. So I watched The Big Sick, uh, which is the Kamel Nanjiani and um, Zoe Kazan comedy, uh, which I really enjoyed very much. Uh, I thought it was really lovely. Um, I thought it was really funny as well. Um, and yeah, that, that's a big recommend, actually, if, if anyone's not seen The Big Sick. Uh, check it out because it's it's really really very good um, and it's a nice little um, it's just a nice little tale to remind you not to take love for granted hmm. um, I mean there's obviously all sorts of, uh, of other kind of uh, stories within it um, based around you know race and, and religion and stuff like that but uh, but mainly it's about love uh, don't take love for granted uh, if it's there grab it with both hands and, and never let it go is basically uh, the, <laughs> the moral of that story. Um, and then, so we kind of start with a high and then we kind of go really down <laughs> from that. Uh, because then I decided in my infinite wisdom, because I wanted a relatively short film to watch because I didn't really have much time. And I saw that Jonah Hex was on Amazon Prime. So I watched Jonah Hex and I was like, oh, it's like 88 minutes long. You know, it can't be that bad, surely. You know, it's good. It's, it's not like we're not talking like three hours worth of my time. So I was like, yeah, I'll, um, I'll watch Jonah Hex. I've heard bad things, but, you know, can't be that bad. I mean, spoiler alert, it's quite bad. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of walked away from it really kind of wondering what the hell was going on <laughs> because it's so dark. Uh, like there's, there's, I know it's obviously set in the, in the West and they didn't have electric lighting in the West, but it seems like the production had no lighting either because everything was so dark. Um, 
and uh, Josh Brolin just basically mumbles his way through the entire movie. Um, so I was a bit like, I have no idea what that guy was saying. I have no idea what he was doing because I couldn't see anything. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I would not recommend Jonah Hex. Um, but then last night, uh, I would recommend Power Rangers because I watched that yesterday. And again, it was a little bit like, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. I used to love the, uh, the old campy TV show. I used to watch that as a kid. And uh, do you know what? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good fun. Um, I really liked the actors. I really liked their portrayal of the characters. And I liked the lore it was trying to set up. Um, and I love Elizabeth Banks and she was great. And I was quite scared of her. Um, but no, I, th I would recommend Power Rangers. Uh, I thought it was, it's just a bit of a shame really that it didn't do so well uh, because they obviously set up for future movies that we're never going to get. Um, but mm. I thought it was a decent movie, actually. Not, mm. not the best superhero kind of movie that I've ever seen in my life, but certainly not the worst. Um, yeah. And that's basically it because... The rest of my time is is basically spent podcasting and writing and obviously having a day job. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't have a great deal of spare time. Um, but um, but yeah, apart from Jonah Hex, I feel like my spare time this week was uh, was was spent wisely. Ah, well, my heart goes out to you on Jonah Hex because um, <laughs> yeah, that was a, a, a horrific experience when I watched it. I was just like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> it truly is awful. The media afterwards and I was like, I need to find out what the plot of this movie was. And it was all about and then I found out actually what the movie was about, reading the Wikipedia. <laughs> but, um, and, then, and, then, and then I I obviously read that they had these uh, reshoots and that it was basically, they had one particular vision of this movie and that's kind of where all of these brightly colored dream sequences come in and I was like okay but then obviously they wanted to have this supernatural element and and it's just a complete mess um mm. you can really tell that studio interference has, has caused a vision for a movie to change so dramatically although I will say um I'm a big fan of Megan Fox um and to be fair I actually thought Megan Fox was quite decent I thought Michael Fassbender was good because he tends mm. to always be quite good. But Megan Fox, I think, is an actor who you people only tend to hire her because she's gorgeous. Mm. Uh, and she is gorgeous, like, don't get me wrong. But I kind of felt like she was just, she could have been, she could have given so much more to that movie had she actually been given something to do. Um, mm. But... Yeah, Jonah Hex. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. yeah. No, interesting. it's it's um, yeah, it's Jonah Hex is uh, something. It is a movie a that problem. exists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is problem. indeed something. Yes. <laughs> uh, Dan, how about you, buddy? Um, I know you've been yeah. uh, gaming a lot this week. So, um, been yeah. playing anything fun? Um, so yeah, I haven't actually watched anything um this week. I think I was just too hyped for. One division, so I'll just save myself uh, for watching that. But um, yeah, in terms of um, playing stuff, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise, the demo that's out on the Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah, I, I love Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter games, the series. Um, so I've just been playing a whole lot of the of the demo and trying to get as much out of it as possible. Love it. Can't wait mm. for March when it comes out. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing this week um, and and working. Um, working on some content for the channel as well. But yeah, 
playing okay. games, playing games. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I mean, Dan kindly uh, took some pity on me and has uh, offered to help me with Monster Hunter <laughs> World Iceborne because I've I've had it for like seven months and I haven't caught a single monster yet. I'm, I'm just useless. Um, I, I really love the concept, but I'm just mm. absolutely useless. <laughs> like in the combat sequences, I'm I'm often pressing the wrong button and then like I'm trying to kind of. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get my uh, calico involved as well um, okay. the, the yeah. little cat and and that's just not happening and my calico just keeps getting beaten up and i'm just like i, I don't know what i'm doing <laughs> there is, here. yeah there is there's a lot to it there's, there's like a lot of um like hidden menus and stuff like that but once mm. you're once you get into the game it just sort of thinks it cooks into you and then you're you're like stuck in it and you just want to play more and more well that's what happened to me anyway but yeah mm. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, Rich, how about you, bud? What have you been up to, man? Um, I've my my January's been good so far, man. Listen, I finished Cobra Kai season three. Cobra Kai never die. Like that show is the best show on Netflix. Listen, that show is the best show on TV for me right now, as as standard. Like it's. I mean, have any of you guys seen Cobra Kai at all? Not yet. Everyone keeps saying no. to me to watch it. Um, I need to get into it. I need to watch it. And, and Jason, you haven't seen it either, right? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, like, like, this, like, you know what? Like, there's three seasons so far, and it's three consistent seasons of just comedy, action, and throwbacks to the '80s. And like, you, you know, I can't, I can't speak more highly, uh, highly enough of this show. Like, it's, it's done so well. This is a prime example of people that know how to write, know how to act, know how to direct. But then also are fanboys, but don't get caught in the the fanboy type of mentality, um, which is something that we've we've mentioned before. Like in regards to say, like some people like Zach like Zach Snyder, who's good at what he does when he's good. But then I sometimes feel that he kind of goes down that territory of like, oh my god, I saw this in a comic book once, explosion, explosion, explosion. And but yeah, but but like Cobra Kai, it it gives you so much backstory to such a basic story which did well back then but then it does even better now i mean i don't i don't want to give any spoilers but basically like two actors who in my eyes came and went in hollywood as in like in ralph macchio who played the karate kid and um william zabka who played who played johnny like i saw them like in a handful of films after the karate kid and just thought they had like normal day jobs now but when you see them in this show like they're just so good and then obviously the supporting cast is just wicked as well and they've got like amazing choreographers um doing doing the, the the kung fu so i i binge watched that with my son um who now has finally taken um you know taken an interest in in combat sport so um i'm i'm, I'm happy about that that's 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 the man that's the man in me talking of my beards yes he likes to fight he wants to throw punches but um but yeah so cobra kai season three um i watched that that was that was amazing and then um i saw wonder woman 84 which was also interesting um and it is i'm not going to go too much into that either but i don't think it was as bad as what people said it definitely was a train wreck but i think it it, there's quite a few things that i think it did quite well and this is going to cause controversy and when we do our review episode then you know we can go to we can go, go into it a bit more then but i think i prefer wonder woman 84 
to the original Wonder Woman set in what, what do you call Wonder Woman? The first one we call it Wonder Woman eighteen. What's it? What's it say? World War Two, right? Or World World War One. World War One. World War One. So when did that take place? My history is rubbish. Uh, what, what was it? Four, 1914, 1914 to 1918. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now. 18. Okay. So, so we can call this Wonder Woman eighteen, and then Wonder Woman eighty four. I mean, let's just put it that. But yeah, I prefer Wonder Woman eighty four to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman eighteen. Um, I just think it it gets so many things wrong. But then the things that it does get right, I, I'm actually quite happy with. And um, But then it just reminded me overall how much of a cluster F that the DCEU is right now. So, yeah, so that, that's that's what I have to say in that. But yeah, but those are the two things that I've been doing recently. And um, in regards to gaming, um, I think I'm going to download, um, what's that game again? Zone of the Enders again on my PlayStation 4 and just get into that. I've just got this real hankering to like feel like I'm inside a giant mecha robot. Especially after M just mentioned them um, watching Power Rangers, so I just want to be in like something big and just smash little buildings. I don't know. I don't know. I'm feeling quite testosterone today. Clearly, yeah. Because of all these I, fighting stuff that you're watching, you're yeah, just, yeah, you're I'm, feeling yeah, like you need to fight. I think so. It's like like Cobra Kai. Like you know, want to get into a robot. Like my son wanted to fight. I'm gonna go downstairs eat some raw meat. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's, that, that's, that's all I've been up to. In fact, I've got two things to say. Okay, first one's to M. M, number one, it's great mm. to have in the show because the last time you were on here, I wasn't on. Yeah. But I know we have interacted um, on, in, on social media stuff. So great to meet you. In regards to Jenna Hex. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for coming back as well, man. I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if you were going to come back if I was on it. But um, clearly. <laughs> The first, I don't know if uh, Jason told you. I was like, "Where's Rich?" And he was like, uh, "He hates your guts or something. He doesn't want to be here right now." And <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I was I was actually quite upset. And then uh, Jason came on my podcast um, yeah. a couple of um, months after that. But obviously, yeah. the the invitation was for for both of you. Uh, yeah, and again, yeah, yeah. he was like, "Yeah, happened. he hates your guts. He really does. He just doesn't <laughs> want anything to do with you." Um, so. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, it's uh, this is the first time yeah, I've spoken. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, originally when I was meant to come on, I was so excited because literally it was about Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. The, the first episode. Yeah, and I was just like, what? Like, I don't know anybody else in the world who, who who's in love with Jude Law as much as I am. So I was like, listen, <laughs> I need to be on this episode. <laughs> I know, we, we haven't had a chance to indulge in our uh, mutual affection for Jude Law. Yeah, yeah, I watched the holiday uh, as as you do at Christmas time. Oh, so I, I, was, I was, yeah, that was my that was my Christmas time. Really, really. That was your special time over Christmas. Yeah, that was my special time. My special time. <laughs> seeing Jude, seeing Jude Law crying at the end when Cameron Diaz comes back, I'm like, don't cry, Jude. She's coming back, man. She's coming back. <laughs> All <laughs> but, right. Um, what? But, uh, well, well, enough of your point. Jude Law loving, Richard. Get to yeah, the point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. But the question was in regards to what you watched, which is the worst film? Jonah Hex or Priest, which which stars Paul Bettany, who just happens to be in Wonder Vision, which you're watching today. Oh, do you know what? Oh, God, uh, I love Paul Bettany. I really, really do. And I think my love for yeah. Paul Bettany is really going to come out in this episode. But I don't remember being able to finish Priest. And at least yeah. I finished Jonah Hex. <laughs> so yeah. I guess yeah. Priest is the worst. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, cool. Second question is not to you, M, it's actually to Dan. Dan, you said you're a massive Monster Hunter fan, right? Yeah. 
Are you that yeah, much yeah. of a fa- are you that much of a fan that you're going to watch the film with Mila Jovovich? <laughs> you know what? I have to. I have to watch it. I know it's going to be. Hello. Oh, we lost Hello? Dad in there for a second. Yeah, I think we lost him. You know what? You know what it was. It's that Monster Hunter film. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's he's gone off to uh, to rekindle his mutual affection for Mila Jovovich. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, she's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. All right. Well, let's crack on anyway, and I'll I'll try and get um Dan back Dan uh, Dan. in the meantime. Um. But yeah, for me this week, uh, it's mostly been watching uh, Lupin, the um, adaptation of the uh, Arsene Lupin books um, that is now out on Netflix at the moment. Uh, It's headed by, uh, I believe, Louis Leterrier is is one of the heads on there. Um, I'm I'm not sure what role he actually functions as in there, because I know he directed some of the episodes, but I'm I'm assuming that means he's kind of um, like a head uh, head writer maybe and, and and kind of lead writer on on the product on the program so um I think he produced it as well you know James. yeah yeah I think he's one of the producers as well I was gonna say so um yeah it's possible that that's the case but um yeah I've really enjoyed Lupin so far it stars uh, Omar Sy who uh, I was a big fan of um years ago when I saw him in um the uh original French version of of the, the movie they did a remake with with Kevin Hart and and um Intouchables. Uh yeah, yeah, that's the one. Thank you, Rich. Um yeah. So uh yeah, I the, you know, when he starred in the original version of that, I was like, wow, this guy's like got quite good range and he's he's quite a charming kind of uh character actor as well. So, you know, he seems like a really, really cool dude. Um and he's been given the chance to kind of showcase that in in this show so far. It's very light. Um, it, you know, there's nothing too kind of heavyweight, but to be honest, given the events in the world over the past couple of weeks, I think I'm fine without heavyweight, to be honest. So, um, yeah, something quite light and breezy and, and easy to watch is uh, is good for me. And that's exactly what Lupin is. So, yeah, I've really been enjoying Lupin. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I can't recommend it highly enough to everyone. So, uh, yeah, especially you said, if you want something lightweight to watch that that's not too much of a, a, a commitment emotionally, um, then go and check out Lupin. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I did okay. actually, sorry, I just wanted to say, I did mm. see on um, Twitter someone talking about Lupin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically, you know, you've got those memes where you say something is greater than something else. Um, mm. and, and they were like that Lupin is greater than Bridgerton because obviously Bridgerton is the other big Netflix show. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I the only person who's seen Bridgerton on this podcast or is anyone else? (laughs) I've watched the first episode and um, I am going to be good. I've actually started, I've watched the first episode for Lupin and for Bridgerton. So um, I will be watching those, uh, let's say from from today. I just want, I didn't want to sully my mind with anything else (laughs) while while watching WandaVision. Oh yeah. I'm going to finish them. I I think they're both good uh, so far. Like Lupin's cracking. And Bridgerton is just like, let's put it this way, Bridgerton has got a cast which is mixed. It's a, it's a period drama, which I'm not usually interested in. The music is good. And within the first five minutes, I saw some Rumpy Pumpy. And I was like, listen, I'm, on, I'm up for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, carnal relations um, yeah. on that show. But but yeah, that that's actually, I, ha- I have seen Bridgerton recently. I forgot to mention earlier, but uh, I very much enjoyed 
I managed to finish Bridgerton, I think, in two days, which is quite good going for me. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend Bridgerton. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I will go and watch Lupin as well, because I have heard good things about that, too. OK, yeah, okay. definitely worth um, checking out uh, Lupin. Bridgerton, I haven't watched much of myself. I've kind of half watched it over my wife's shoulder. Um, she quite enjoyed it, though. <laughs> Uh, which was cool. So, like, if, if she enjoys it, then um, I'll then probably enjoy, enjoy it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go and take a look at it uh, at some point when I get round to it. But yeah, I, I have to say, a um, lot of rumpy pumpy, as Rich put it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right, that that's the kind of show we're dealing with here. Okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, I will definitely uh, check that out. Definitely check that out. Okay, um, so I said we're, we're still waiting on uh, Dan to rejoin us, but um, the show must go on, so on it shall. Uh, let's start our One Division chat, which is what everybody is here for. Now, um, as we said at the top of the show, this is the first of a, a series of TV shows that will be coming out via the Disney Plus platform from Marvel Studios that will be involved in the MCU continuity, which is um, really quite a bold step for the MCU. You know, their success has generally come through movies and, and through what we've seen over the past 10 to 12 years and, and how they've built their universe together. Um, you know, it's quite a bold step to, to start looking at the avenue of television. But um, from what we can tell, it looks like they're pretty much going to be keeping the same high standards that they have been keeping for all of their movies. Um, so I just wanted to ask uh, you two before we kind of get into like the meat of the episodes. Um, what were your expectations going into kind of watching WandaVision? Because for me, I, I kind of was keeping an open mind. And then when people were saying it was going to be kind of based around US television sitcoms and, and the kind of tropes and styles that, that those follow, I was a bit like, huh? Like, how's that going to work? Um, and then when the trailers came out, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool, but I still don't really know how it's going to work. So, so for the, I mean, for the both, to the both of you, what were kind of the things you were, I guess, expecting um, to get from WandaVision? And um, uh, Rich, you can start. Um, you know what? I, I really just kept an open mind. I, I'm a massive, massive fan of just American pop culture anyway, let alone like, you know, American sitcoms, which you know, which, what, what I don't, I grew up on them anyway, but in being a fan of comics from like literally like the age of like four or five years old, there's always been references or like, you know, adverts and comic books in regards to, you know, Full House and, and, you know, Taxi. I mean, the, I mean, those are years, years between those films and um, between, you know, TV shows. So I was really, I was really excited in regards to what was going to happen. I literally just said to myself, you know what, after the whole Infinity Saga, I'm just happy going into this blind. I didn't want to try and delve too much or delve too much into it or think too much about what's you know what may happen until I watched the first episode or you know as we were blessed to have you know the first two episodes. So I was just super excited. And when I saw some of the errors that they were talking about, and um, and basically some of the errors that were based on what I feel are actually particular shows, I was I was even more super excited because it was some of like. So some of what I basically, like I've said before, grew up on. So, you know, like, for example, uh, you know, like the first episode is, I would, oh, well, I'd say the second episode is, is more or less kind of like based on, on Bewitched. I'm a massive fan of Bewitched. I'm a massive fan of Elizabeth Montgomery. And she is easily still to this day one of, one of my crushes. So I was just super excited. I, you know, I, I was just, and, I, and at the same time, I was just happy 
to have something from Marvel because 2020 has been a bit in the madness. <laughs> yeah. So I needed that fix. So, yeah, so that's how I felt. Cool, cool. How about you, Em? Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because Marvel Studios as a whole, um, you know, they're, 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 the MCU has been very focused on the, the cinematic stuff. Um, but we've always kind of had these TV shows that have been set within that same continuity, within that mm. same universe, but they've never really been referenced before. So you've kind of had, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who, who've kind of uh, worked off of what's been going on in the movies, obviously, you know, when the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. thing crashed, uh, you know, they, they tried to kind of uh, work with that. And then you've obviously had the Netflix shows, um, which existed in that universe and that, you know, occasionally had like cameos and stuff like that, but they were still very separate. Um, so it kind of fascinated me really to kind of see uh, an example of a fully integrated MCU TV show. And that was kind of the thing that most intrigued me about WandaVision. Um, was that instead of having a TV show like Daredevil or Jessica Jones, where it was so separate that it was almost it was almost in its own world because it was so separate. Whereas this is is so integrated into this MCU uh, universe in that you you don't need to know what's happened to these characters before. So I wouldn't you would you wouldn't have had to watch all twenty three Marvel movies to know. Uh, the setup for this show, which I think is a uh, a genius move, because I kind of feel like if you'd have had to watch every single movie to understand the first sort of Marvel integrated TV show, that would have been a bit of a big mistake. But to kind of have uh, these characters, and you have so many questions kind of based on a show with these characters. Um, and so my kind of initial thought was, well, this is interesting because they're not just going, this isn't just an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. type of show where it's it's gonna be the, a very kind of similar vein, oh, we're fighting uh, evil forces, oh, there's aliens, oh, there's this, you know, it, it's not the same. Um, it's a very different setup. Um, and that kind of intrigued me as soon as announced WandaVision was that, well, okay, um, things have happened to these characters from the movies so that's my first question well how is that going to work and then obviously when we saw the the trailers which kind of gave away the general tone um the, the fact that it was going to be an homage to these old tv shows which um like rich said uh i grew up watching things like bewitched and i dream of genie uh, because they were always on tv they were always on channel four in the uk on like a uh, a saturday or sunday morning you would always watch these shows um, and so I, episode two for me was a bit of a joy. Uh, I mean, they're, they're both complete joy, but episode two specifically was a joy because like Rich said, I just thought of Bewitched straight away. And it was just, it was just like a comfortable place. It was just a nice place to be. Um, but obviously the trailer has kind of alluded to the fact that it's going to be based around these, these kind of old TV shows, the style, things like the Brady Bunch, kind of going all the way through these eras of, of American sitcom TV, which again is like, well, that's fascinating because how is that going to work with like a modern show? Um, and then obviously, when you kind of think about it, you the character of Wanda and what she's been through, um, you kind of think to yourself, well, this is obviously going to be some way of 
of her kind of working through things like grief and trauma. And then it kind of, it turns it into a really interesting uh, dichotomy and a really interesting perspective of this bright, fun, colourful homage to all these shows, but that has really serious undertones. And I kind of picked that up from the trailers. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad that the, 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 the episodes that we've got have delivered on both of those, on literally all of those fronts for me, with these, these kind of mysteries and this, what, what is going on? Why is this happening? There's so many questions mm. uh, that, that this show is, is kind of offering, uh, and it's obviously not offering us any answers right now. Um, but for, for as far as I'm concerned, uh, the, the initial thoughts and expectations that I had, I mean, I thought it would be, I thought it would be good and I thought it would be interesting and I thought it would be um, a really a really interesting, different way to kind of uh, depict the MCU on screen. Um, and then it's kind of, I feel like it's it's delivered that, but it's also, it's also frustrating that it's not actually answering any of the questions yet. But we, we've got plenty of time to go through those for definite. Yeah, for sure. I think there's mm -hmm. plenty, plenty mysteries to unravel. And as said, we will try and um, unpick as much as we can in, in these two uh, episodes on this podcast today. But um, yeah, this show is definitely an enigma wrapped in a mystery. So <laughs> yeah, we, we will. Um, I'm sure there's there's lots more to come. Um, before we press on, I just want to check if Dan is still with us. Uh, Dan, yeah, are you there? I'm back. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Cool, yep cool. We can hear All you right. loud and clear. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah. Just to get your quick thoughts as well, Dan, if you don't mind, just um, the, the, the question really was just uh, what expectations you had if or thoughts, if any, going into WandaVision um, yeah. before it, it, it kind of hit Disney Plus. So, yeah, take it away. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think um, you, you summed it up perfectly, actually. I think um, the trailers gave away... Um, it gave sort of the tone of what the show was going to be like. Um, so having those sort of old TV sitcoms, but like I, I, I loved The Witch as well growing up. Um, so again, yeah, seeing the second episode, seeing that sort of intro, it was just like, yep, yeah, that's The Witch. Um, but just the, even the, the way they speak, the, um, the humour that they use, um, it's all very much reminiscent of those old TV shows and... I think that's what I was looking forward to seeing, um, something that was completely different to what we're used to with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, just getting something that was completely out there and seeing how that would work, how they're going to sort of blend that back into the movies. Um, that, was, that was what interested me anyway from the, from the outset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for me as well, I mean, again, um, you know, just to kind of echo everybody's points, really, but um, I did, I was somebody who felt that um, in order for the MCU to keep kind of growing and keep becoming uh, the the the, the kind of thing that we want it to be, which is this, this universe where there's these many, many stories that exist that all kind of intertwine with each other, but all feel different. Um, in order for them to keep doing that, they were going to have to kind of keep finding different ways to present these characters. Um, and WandaVision is definitely a different way of, 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 of presenting two characters that, you know, are very, very well known within the MCU and are quite well known um, in within comic book circles as well um, and you know in order to do that you have to kind of 
embrace different genres and different styles and different tones and you know we've seen with the different movies that have come out within the mcu that you know they've embraced embraced kind of spy thrillers and um body horror to an extent you know romantic comedy heist movies and you know they've taken various different elements and and brought them into um the the mcu movies and it's great to see that Wonder Vision has has kind of been um, just as bold or even bolder and, and taken, you know, Bewitched and um, and I Dream of Genie as its kind of influences. Uh, like you, Em, and, and I guess like all of us, really, um, I was somebody who kind of grew up uh, watching Bewitched and, and I Dream of Genie on TV. So to see kind of the, the MCU existing within that world is, um, is just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. And it gives you such a kind of kick. Um, just a, a real nostalgia kick but uh yeah let's go on to uh chat a little bit about the episodes themselves because um you know both episodes are really good really fun but as M said tell you absolutely nothing or well they kind of do tell you a little bit but they they're just kind of seeding things at the moment mm-hmm. so um yeah you know the after the, the the first episode, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is really cool. I like, you know, the kind of the aesthetic and everything. And, um, you know, there's some really funny gags in there and the chemistry between um, Paul Bettany's vision and and uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda Maximoff is is great. They, they just kind of bounce off each other and they feel like that kind of archetypal um, sort of 1960s married couple um, mm-hmm. that you would expect to see in I Dream of Jeannie and... Um, and in Bewitched and, and so on. So, you know, the 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 whole kind of setup of that first episode and, and the way it plays out for me was really, really fun. Um, what were you guys kind of most enjoyable moments within that first episode? Because it, it I, I suppose in a way, it's a bit of a surprise in the sense that if you were expecting kind of maybe, you know, the typical big action set pieces and, and things like that from um, that you would normally get in the MCU where you didn't get any of that in the first episode at all really so um what were kind of the moments for for you guys that that kind of stood out um and we'll start with dan yeah um i think the moments that stood out i I would say to be honest just having the two characters i think that well first of all i'll say having these sort of um disney plus tv series allows for more character development and even though we've seen Wonder and Vision in, they've been in like maybe two or three movies between them, um, we've not really got to know their character, um, their characters properly. And this show really gave them their own unique personalities. And that's what I really liked. I, I love seeing Paul Bettany being the Vision, who's this sort of straight laced character, being all quirky and zany. And that, to me, I would just brought more life to the the show for me. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just seeing those both those characters getting a personality, um, I love that. That was great. Mm-hmm. And it's really important as well, as you said, because um, you you made a, a really good point that even though they have made multiple appearances in the MCU, for for both characters, we don't necessarily feel like we've got to know them as such um you know and in particular you know the the point where their relationship is just starting to to kind of blossom um it's ended rather abruptly in Avengers Infinity War and that's the end of that um so you don't really kind of get to to put um 
you know any context behind the relationship and and understand the the complexities of the characters and and um you know both of them have gone on very very interesting journeys in terms of who they are and it feels like one division is deploy is the the place where you know those two characters will really blossom and and start to shine so um yeah yeah really really good point there um rich how about you mate what was the question again? Just, just remind me, because I was, I was thinking about my answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking so hard about your answer, you forgot yeah. the question. Um, no, it was just whether there were any kind of standout moments for you within the, the first episode, like some of your favourite scenes, maybe, or or the things that kind of jumped out at you. You know you know what? You know what jumped out to me? It was like for the first time in a long time, well, it's, it's, it's kind of coming off the back of what Dan was saying, is that we got to see Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany act you know mm. what i mean it's like like and 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 it was an acting in also done in a particular way of how those shows were filmed where um well, i mean back then so it wasn't you know not necessarily say like snap quickie responses to each other but like there'll be periods when there's just almost i mean just just dumping monologues with you know that you know to, you know to try drop a joke or dumping monologues in regards to having a conversation with each, with each other but it just yeah, it, it was just nice to see them really, really act, and um, and also at the same time, the thing that I that I'm really enjoying about it was the whole thing of for people that are saying that the MCU is too lighthearted and it's not as dark as say like DC, not to go down that part of like doing the DC thing, but then like like Dan said, for the first time in a long time, even though Division and um, Scarlet Witch have you know, made appearances in the MCU, we've never really had a chance to delve into what they are like as people and what they may be dealing with. When you look at some of the, or the majority of the MCU films for standalone characters, say like Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, even out to Guardians of the Galaxy, as much as they're fun and they're lighthearted, there are some hard, there's some hard hitting, you know, backstories behind some of these characters. You've got, you know, Tony Stark dealing with, you know, being a playboy, but, you know, also helping to destroy the world. He has his father issues, you know, dealing with anxiety. You've got Thor, who's basically, you know, wants his father's love, loses his mother, then goes into full-on depression, losing his people. Um, and then, with, you know, with one division, or, or with Scarlet Witch and the Vision, you've got two people who, who don't feel like they belong to anything. And that's what I really got from this, these first two episodes of people just trying to fit in and yeah. trying to be normal. But they're not going to be normal and there is nothing wrong with not being normal because technically what is normal there's no such thing as normal everybody's different so to me it feels like yeah that's an excellent point man excellent point um i feel like there's a particular scene that we have to talk about but i'm gonna let em uh give her choice of uh, a standout moments first, because uh, I'm sure she's probably going to cover it anyway. But um, <laughs> Em, uh, what about you? What were the kind of the standouts for you in that first episode? I mean, obviously, I think I think everyone's kind of covered so far, uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, who are just phenomenal. They're phenomenal oh, separately. Oh, I think we've lost them, um, no? Oh. No, I, I can still hear Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, okay. I'll just carry on anyway um yeah oh yes. no you're back don't worry okay. you're back <laughs> podcasting people. Uh, it's podcasting, podcasting everyone <laughs> um, it's always fun you never yeah, know what you're gonna good. get <laughs> well this is the thing uh we're not talking about forrest gump though sadly um 
<laughs> so yeah, obviously Paul Bettany um, and Elizabeth Olsen, uh, they are phenomenal actors kind of in their own right. Um, and, and, and together, I think they are incredibly special kind of working together as a partnership. Um, one thing I will say is uh, I've always kind of really enjoyed their, um, they're very kind of awkward romance that kind of was set up in Civil War and kind of through to Infinity War. Um, I know a lot of people weren't keen um, and they didn't really feel like the characters had enough time. And, and to be honest, no, they didn't have enough time because those are two movies that were incredibly stuffed, full of uh, other important storylines and massive characters uh, dealing with their own things. So you know having secondary characters you you can't really investigate them in a great deal but I, I really enjoyed their kind of fledgling romance from you know vision struggling to make paprikash in civil war all the way through to them in this kind of secluded scottish i think it was a hotel actually in in infinity war um and i really enjoyed watching them together because i think together they worked really well off each other um and, and 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 like Rich said, I kind of feel like they've always felt a genuine connection to each other, not only based on the fact that they are, they feel like they don't belong, um, but I think because they have this this link with the Infinity Stones, um, you know, they were both created from them, so they're always going to have this this special bond between them that no one else can really kind of understand, and I, and I really like that. Um, but kind of going into WandaVision, um, the one thing that really struck me, uh, it as soon as I saw the the sort of uh, the first episode, the the four by three aspect ratio and the black and white, uh, you know, it just it just brought a smile to my face. And then the fact that Elizabeth Olsen is obviously putting on this very uh, I don't even know the word for it, but this very highly kind of strong American accent, you know, the kind of I Love Lucy kind of accent. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed because there's a, it, it kind of marks this, that there's something not quite right because she doesn't sound like Wanda. She sounds mm. like a, a generic kind of sitcom housewife, mm. um, which which I really liked. And I think Elizabeth Olsen, I mean, I, like I say, I love them both, but I think Elizabeth Olsen is completely standout um, in in the first two episodes, just because of the subtle little glances that she gives, she really kind of gets this sitcom energy, uh, and I, and I really kind of like that. One thing that I wanted to um, to specifically mention, and and these are these themes are kind of themes that go through both episodes for me, but I I am getting really strong Pleasantville vibes. Um, yeah. It's yeah. from both episodes, mainly from episode two, to be honest but a very strong, we are not supposed to be here. Something is wrong, especially when colour starts to come in, because that is something that Pleasantville, um, obviously I'm not going to spoil Pleasantville. It's an excellent movie, came out in 1999, Reese Witherspoon, Tobey Maguire, uh, set to basically set in the 50s. Um, but colour starts to come into this black and white 50s world. And it's so, it just, it just reminded me so much of Pleasantville. Um, and also, um, I got strong cabin in the woods vibes as well with the guy who's watching. Uh, Cause again, I'm not going to spoil cabin in the woods, but another excellent movie that people should watch if they I haven't. Could. But, um, <laughs> but the, 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 the scene that really kind of stood out in episode one for me um, was, and, and, and it actually, it is probably the most pleasantville thing that kind of happens is 
when you have this, because the whole, the setup, uh, the premise of the episode is there's a heart on the calendar and no one knows because they don't know anything about each other. Well, they do know anything about each other, but they don't know who they are. They don't know why they're there. They have no idea what the significance of this date is. Um, and and it turns out that the, the heart stands for Vision's boss, Mr. Hart, who's coming over with his wife for dinner, uh, which is a very sort of typical sitcom trope of the boss coming over for dinner and all matter of chaos ensues. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's an absolutely wonderful scene, but the one that really stood out for me was when Mr. Hart starts choking and you get this really interesting scene of a guy who's choking. And obviously you kind of, it becomes very obvious that choking is not a thing in this world because Mrs. Hart just goes, oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. And it's like, then it's like the, an interesting time loop with her because she's like, mm. she's like a broken robot. It's like she doesn't know how to uh, process this information, but he's still choking. And then that's when kind of Wanda comes out of this sitcom world and tells Vision to do something and to help him. Um, and again, I was just like, this is, this just feels so Pleasantville to me. There is something wrong in this world. They, they are not supposed to be there. They are disrupting the status quo of this world by having Mr. Hart choke. Uh, because Mrs. Hart clearly has no idea what is going on. So, uh, and to have Vision actually have to do something about it. Uh, yeah, it, I, just, I've, I just found that scene so fascinating in, within this world of there is something not quite right here. I mean, we know something's not quite right, because this is Wonder and Vision and they're not supposed to be together. They're not, I mean, Vision's not supposed to be alive and he is. So we know that there's something not quite right, but having this added element, it really adds a, an additional layer of mystery um, that I, I really, really like. Um, I'm just trying to think, is there anything else? <laughs> is there anything else that I can think of? Um, and, uh, and obviously the other thing is, is kind of this, this very unique format of a 30 minute, episode and it's it's so kind of tightly put together that the, the whole 30 minutes I mean it flies by and then you you kind of get to the end and you're like well I want more of that because it is so good hmm. and then luckily for us we get another episode <laughs> we can watch straight after um but I mean I don't know whether that was what you were thinking of Jason yeah yeah I was okay. I was um I, I was like yeah we can't let any chat about episode one go by without talking about that dinner scene just because there is so much that's going on there mm. um you know on on one level that as said I, I loved it because it was a wonderful kind of homage to um you know I I, I dream of genie and bewitched and, and all of that it was um it was just a typical scene that you would expect to see from from that kind of show um you know with the chaos as you said that ensues as as the boss um arrives for this very important dinner you know because he, he could get a promotion out of it um but there's all these little kind of clues going on underneath like with with vision trying to ascertain exactly what he does at his job and not really getting a straight answer from anybody. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, we, you know, we, pro we process output. And he's like, well, what do we output? And you're like, Oh, you know, they'll move on to some other kind of corporate speak. And um, it's, it's, it's funny because it, it kind of works as, as a gag on based on kind of, you know, typical 
working life for Americans in in uh, the sixties in Middle America, but it also works as part of the wider mystery of the show because again, you get this sense that there is more that is clearly going on here, um, and you know, Vision is kind of almost trying to almost trying to kind of work it out. At, at, it seems on on a level, um, whereas kind of wonder seems to be very comfortable within it, apart from towards the end of episode two, when we have that specific scene that, that pops up. But to be honest, Em, you covered pretty, you did pretty much everything I was going to say. Oh, that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Because it, it's, um, yeah, I'm glad it just wasn't, it wasn't just me who was thinking all of those things and, and you were as well. So um, yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. But I love the way the episode ends as well with the two of them settling down in front of the TV and then it forms a little diamond and they kiss within the diamond and press a button and, you know, and off they go. Um, and then you get this pullout shot where it's clear that somebody is observing um, them from a distance. Um so that kind of builds to the, the the intrigue as well. So um yeah, I absolutely love that. I love that. Um I guess we may as well dive into episode two because we've kind of touched on a, a little bit of episode two as well. Um but episode two is is interesting because again it kind of builds and ends it begins and ends with this kind of twin peaksy kind of mystery, if, if that makes sense. I, I was getting like strong twin peaks vibes from this episode. Yeah. Um, because of like the the banging that they were getting on the window and and, and various different kind of things that, that go on as well it was um it was very very david lynchy um in terms of the, the the style and the tone and the way that they were telling the story in episode two um we got oh we should probably mention as well before we go on a bit further uh Catherine Hahn's character um Agnes um, we can talk a little bit about that in the Easter egg sections. Um, but I really liked uh, Catherine Hahn's character here. I, she's not an actress I'm, I'm very familiar with, so I had to kind of do a little bit of uh, research and stuff and, and look her up afterwards. But but um, the way she's playing it is brilliant. <laughs> she's playing the character, again, typically like, uh, you know, the kind of nosy neighbour that you would get in these kind of um, standard American sitcoms. But you also get the feeling that she's kind of aware that something's going on. I, I don't know if that was just me or if you guys felt that too, but it kind of feels like she might be knowing more than she's letting on. Yeah, I, I kind of did get that yeah. feeling, but I also got the feeling that maybe she's a villain. And I don't know. And, yeah. and, and the thing that kind of got to me was, you know, the the weird kind of um, scene. Because so the 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 show is so focused on Wonder and Vision because obviously it's their show. But there's there's not many scenes outside of Wanda and Vision. And I think the only one that that kind of came to memory as I was thinking of it just now was when the camera kind of follows Agnes. And then you're like, well, okay, what's so important about Agnes? And she has this scene outside with the mailman where yes, she does finger yeah, yeah. guns. Mm. And, and he says, oh, uh, don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. Mm. And, and I was like, well, I mean, that could just be an innocent, oh, I'm having a joke with the local postman kind of thing. I mean, it's not something that I do with my postman, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> yeah, you know, finger guns, <laughs> average. Um, but it kind of got me thinking, well, maybe she's some sort of antagonist. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't know where that's come from, but it was just that one scene that kind of, because I just thought, oh, she's the typical nosy neighbour. She clearly does kind of know something, 
but then I kind of started to think maybe she's an antagonist. And I mean, I could be completely off the mark on that. She could be literally the, the nicest, kindest, loveliest person in the whole show going forward. But yeah, I just thought something was really off about her. But I love Catherine Hahn. I think she's one, she's great uh, comedic actor. I think she's wonderful. And I'm really interested in Agnes. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there was something off about Agnes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. As said, we'll get into a bit more about her character specifically in the Easter eggs because I think Rich probably has some um, comic book references that we can um, use as clues to unpick uh, her character. But Dan, sorry, you wanted to say something as well. I was actually going to just talk about Agnes as well, but um, if if, yeah, if that's for later, we'll leave it till later. I, would, I will just say, though, um, the thing that sort of made me start questioning her was um, Ralph. Her husband yes yeah, yeah she mentioned yeah. him a few times but we've never actually seen him and that yeah. was something but yeah we'll, we'll get to that later yeah 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 that was definitely a red flag for me as well so um yeah we'll, we'll get into that and richard said i know you 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 have plenty of um comic book references to um bring up in relation to her character so we will get into that in the theories bit um but before we do that yeah let's just round out the the views on episode two in general really um so rich yeah you can come in here on on the second episode and um kind of give your thoughts on on the overall kind of episode and where it, it set the wheels in motion so to speak for um the wider parts of the story oh we'll do it now yeah uh, yep, you can go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? That will, lead, think... that, that will lead us into, I guess, the Easter eggs questions and, and, and okay. things. So, yeah, go from there. Okay, yeah, um, you know what it was? It's... The, the third... I'm going to touch upon a couple of things that, that some of the things that you guys have said as well. This being the first MCU TV show, I mean, like, I mean, or a TV show and on Disney Plus, let's put Mandalorian to the side. Let's, let's, just, let's just throw it to the side as an amazing show that is, that is, but we're not going to talk about that. So, like, One Division being a 30 minute show, like M, like M just reminded, it almost even makes it feel even better tying into the homage in regards to, say, like, you know, whether it's an I Love Lucy episode or Bewitched or, you know, whatever episode are going to be coming next. So, I did like that feel of it. But what really got me is that. The first episode was really, really good. And then the second episode was even better. Like, is like that's that's what's really just throwing me off. Is that is the whole thing of like, is for the first time, I think this phase, because technically we haven't had anything in the cinema in regards to the MCU for X amount of time. And they they give or take kicking off this phase. I mean, Spider-Man doesn't count. They're kicking off this phase with a TV show. So in regards to saying like the acting and the backstory of everything that we're getting. I just can't see this show failing. I know it's early days to be talking about this. I mean, we're probably only going to get like eight episodes and one episode two, but like with Paul Bettany, with Elizabeth Olsen, with Catherine Hahn, who I have, I've been a fan of hers for ages. And she's someone who I feel gets the right balance of being a really pretty lady and being an amazing actress and being really, really funny as well without having to compromise in either of those things. Like, I just think that we're onto we're, we're onto a winner in, reg in regards to in regards to one division. I don't even know what I even just said there. I'm not even sure that's even in relation to your question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was at the front of my head, and I just had to let it out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's absolutely fine, man. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, it was more just kind of in in relation to, I guess, the 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 second episode itself, and um, you know, the setup and, and how it begins, and then how we get to um, them trying to kind of integrate themselves within to the, within the community and um, trying to kind of fit in. And um, you know, Wanda goes to um, the the local women's meeting. I can't remember the name of the meeting. Or, or, what the group was called now i've forgotten the name off the top of my head sorry listeners but um but the uh, group that she goes to meet and how um you know the it's kind of intimated that she has to impress within this group and and has to kind of fit in and um you know she just wears her pants to this meeting while all the other women are wearing dresses um and you know she kind of she kind of stands out without meaning to stand out, but at the same time kind of comes to the realization as well that she's just going to be who she is and, you know, and, and, and that's that um, and kind of wins over everybody by doing that. So I, I, I loved, um, you know, that kind of side of it. And, and consequently with vision tr- attending the, um, I think it was the neighborhood watch meeting um, and having to come up with a bunch of dad jokes around the table um, with, with people. And um, I loved the gag about where he exposes his friend as a communist and they all laugh. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm pretty sure Vision was being serious and saying, yeah, yeah he's yeah, a communist. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they all laugh like, oh, 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 like, oh, you're so funny. Um, yeah, I love that kind of side of it. And uh, the the magic show as well and, and um, Vision getting stuck with the chewing gum in his body uh, and that basically having the effect of him being drunk and, and kind of causing him to behave in, in crazy kind of out of character ways was, was really entertaining. And, um, and uh, that whole magic show sequence and the way that, again, that Elizabeth Olsen and, and Paul Bettany are able to play off of each other within that, that sequence and, um, and how they're able to kind of stretch their characters a bit and, and, and show you different sides uh, through that scene was just, was just wonderful for me. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. But um, I think I get the sense that everybody's bursting to talk about kind of the mysteries behind the show and some of the Easter eggs and the references and stuff. So let's lead on into that um, by looking at the end of the episode. So at the end of the episode, we had um, a moment where Vision and uh, Wanda are talking within their home and um, Vision realizes that Wanda is suddenly pregnant. Um, and he says, is this really happening? Um, or she says is this really happening and he says yeah it's really happening and they kiss and then they keep hearing the fudding again they go outside uh into the street and then they see somebody who's dressed up like a beekeeper coming out of the sewer they seem to have like a symbol on the back of their uh outfit and then this person kind of ominously turns and looks with all of these bees flying around their head and Wanda just says no and then the whole scene kind of rewinds, goes back to that point, and then ends in a completely different way. Um, there are strong, strong, strong vibes from uh, specific comic book arcs here that are, are coming through. Um, but I just wanted to get what everybody kind of made of that scene. So we'll, we'll start with you, Dan. Um, what was your kind of take on on what the, the show was playing with there at, at that particular point? So throughout the whole that whole. Um episode so you have the bang at the beginning and then it stops and then you have the bang at the end um i for some reason in my head i've got this idea of i don't know if it's wanda doing it or someone controlling wanda doing it but it's like a she's formed this like dome over this this town 
basically. Um, obviously, in the first episode, you get the um, some someone's watching them, so I'm, I'm guessing it's this sword. Um, but um, this banging seems to be like someone's trying to get into this this dome that she's built over to try and protect herself and protect her own vision. Um, and then you get this guy who's the bees with the bees around him coming up out of the sewer. Um, and you, you you keep hearing this knocking whenever someone's trying to infiltrate it seems and it's like he then infiltrated through the sewers or something and then she sort of says no and then it rewinds back to when they're back in the house together. Um, so it's kind of like there's, I, I guess it's S.W.O.R.D. or some other um, government group trying to get into this bubble that she's sort of protecting, protecting the town with, protecting herself with. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of what I'm getting, the vibes I'm getting from these episodes so far. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the only S.W.O.R.D. reference we got as well. We got an early reference um, in the second episode when she, mm-hmm. uh, Wanda goes out into her garden and finds um, a helicopter, which is very yeah, clearly exactly. in, in bright Technicolor um, mm-hmm. and has that very same symbol on the side of it, the S.W.O.R.D. symbol. Um, Rich, I'm going to ask you to run wild on this bit. Um, can you explain, uh, just for the benefit of the listeners, uh, what S.W.O.R.D. is in terms of um, where they came from and, and what you think they might be doing here in this show? Well, basically, oh, well, I mean, in regards to the helicopter, I, I think that does tie into M's um, comparison to Pleasantville, where I haven't seen Pleasantville for years. In fact, I think I've seen it in bits and pieces, but I'm sure that like, as the film progresses, don't doesn't doesn't when bits of color start to come into the Pleasantville film doesn't that mean that it's starting to come into real reality? I can't remember. Yeah. But that, that's, yeah, yeah. So okay, it's yeah. it's like the, the it's it's a symbolization of the uh, the change that's happening in that world is yeah, is when it. the color comes in. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So in regards to in regards to the, the sword symbol, like like Dan said, I think that's probably for the sword agency. Um. From what I can remember, as far as I know, like. In the MCU, we we don't have any replacement or equivalent for Shield anymore. Am, am I correct? Can anybody back me on that? Yeah, that's or, correct. Or, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So so probably Sword. So Sword, not going to take probably. So Sword may be the agency that, that actually takes over. In the comic books, Sword is actually the intergalactic version for Earth version of Shield. So where Shield deals with things on Earth, let's say like in regards to say like mutants superhuman um uh, superhuman activities and you know and, and xyz sword basically is the agency which is based on earth but looks outwards and looks at you know at, at things which may be coming towards earth so i'm assuming that's who sword is going to be in regards to what they're going to be doing with this and maybe not only because they are the replacement for shield or could be the replacement for shield but they're going to be dealing with infinity stones and Infinity Stones, as far as we know, they're intergalactic or cosmic in nature. So this would be a nice way to tie in an, an agency like like Sword, who who deals with things of you know, of in in, in diff, from different dimensions or from different planets and stuff like that. So that that's how I feel, or that's how I view Sword to be. Um, what I really do hope happens. Um, this is me like going to my like, like a bit like my comic book lore. I really want to see the appearance of like Abigail Brand, who is actually the, the head of Sword. Um, she's just a, I think she's just an interesting character. She's a character that was created by I think either Brian Michael Bendis or Joss Whedon, 
who was just an who's just like a really strong female character once again like who's super super smart super super strong but doesn't compromise on any of those things in trying to portray and how the characters portrayed in comic books much like how marie hill is who i think has been shafted by the, by the mcu but um but yeah but going back to sword yeah i think basically sword is going to be the replacement for shield it was going to be or may possibly be an offshoot of a new shield which we may see coming in in and, and the reason why I'm saying that is just for the simple fact that we've now got Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming. So who are Falcon and the Winter Soldier going to be working for? Who are they going to be working alongside? So I think I think this one division show is definitely going to have, like they've mentioned before, long-lasting ramifications throughout the MCU and throughout the MCU TV shows as well. So I'm I'm excited for it, you know, for that for that reason. Cool. And am I right in thinking that uh, Sword are also responsible for uh, interdimensional? Um, protection and uh, governance as well. Yeah. Um, so so ba- basically, basically, any anything, anything. This is. A, I'm not sure if this is a made up word, but anything fantastical. Let's sort of deal with it. <laughs> it's not made up because I use that word all the time. So. <laughs> okay. Cool. Look at that, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, Sword are going to play in, in, an interesting um, part in in this story, and I love the fact that they've gone there and, and brought Sword in in the first place. And um, Rich's explanation there really does kind of put some context behind some of the things that you're randomly starting to see in these episodes <laughs> that you know unrelated of themselves probably don't make much sense but you know once you kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it there, there's a lot going on kind of behind the scenes there um and what did you make of uh some of the other easter eggs that that we got there did, were you able to spot any first and foremost I was, uh, probably not as many as, uh, you know, because I, I'm not a massive comic book reader. Uh, main, mainly I read X-Men comics. So the whole kind of Marvel comics thing was very kind of centered on X-Men for me as a kid. Um, but I wanted to mention a couple of things that I, um, are specific to the second episode, because I think the second episode was really interesting. Um, but what, what kind of makes it so fascinating for me is that, the structure of the episodes is is very much follows, you know, we start episode one in the 50s, we move to the 60s, presumably we're going to carry on moving through the decades of uh, American sitcoms. Um, but what struck me the most is that the format of the episodes are very structured in a sense that you have obviously a bit a beginning, a middle and an end. And the end is always very typical of these sitcoms so if you take for example sort of just move quickly back to episode one it's all about this big promotion at work and the dinner goes terribly Hmm. it's the worst you know all the food goes bad uh he starts to choke you know everything goes wrong and yet at the end of the episode he uh mr hart says oh you know yeah vision uh let's talk about that promotion because uh, i'm expecting great things of you and it's like oh happy ending but you kind of look at the content of the episode and you go, well, actually, it was a complete disaster. And yet the, the typical kind of sitcom trope is that at the end, he gets the promotion. So that's what happens. Episode two kind of follows the same structure in that it's this um, uh, talent show for the children. We never see any children, which is really interesting because it's all mm. about the children. And yet there aren't any up until the end of the episode where she reveals uh, her pregnancy. Uh, and quite an obvious pregnancy at that. Um, but otherwise, the, the, the whole kind of 
uh, talent show, uh, which which is done so spectacularly with Vision obviously being drunk on chewing gum. Uh, you get that lovely animation of the chewing gum in his body, which again kind of goes back to those 60s TV shows. Uh, and, it, and it's just done so well, but that kind of gives this explanation of why he's behaving so weirdly. Uh, Wanda then goes out of her way to show how he can fly. Oh, there's a rope. Obviously that's how he's doing it. And and how is he lifting this piano? Oh, it's a it's made of cardboard. So that and then someone <laughs> yeah. in the audience mentions, oh, well, that was my grandmother's piano. Mm. So it's there's obviously something that's still not quite right. But uh, the point that I'm trying to make is at the end, this this talent show goes dreadfully, and and they kind of go to sneak out at the end, and then they're announced as the winners of this show, um, and and then you have this scene with Geraldine, who's uh, played by uh, Tiona Paris who is a character that we meet in episode two. And um, we know from promotional material uh, about the show that she is Monica Rambeau. Uh, she is the little girl that we met in Captain Marvel, <laughs> which is quite a lovely little link to the last episode I was on. So she is the little girl from Captain Marvel and she's all grown up and she is in WandaVision, um, but she doesn't know who she is. She calls herself <laughs> Geraldine. Uh, she she's like she picks a name out of thin air and says hi mm -hmm. I'm Geraldine um, but she's really interesting because she clearly is not part of this world either so it, it kind of raises interesting questions of I, I, I agree with what Dan's saying I think this is this is obviously a world that Wanda is building and that Wanda is trying to protect because let's not forget she is probably one of if not the most powerful Avenger uh, whether it's her or whether it's Captain Marvel I mean it's it's kind of swings and roundabouts really as far as I'm concerned but Wanda is incredibly powerful she is creating this world in such a way whether it's to uh deal with her trauma and her grief or whether it's just a way to protect this this kind of bubble that she's in she is obviously working overtime to try and protect what she has and it, it makes me kind of question, well, is there a difference between characters in this world? So you have Wonder and Vision who are not supposed to be there. And then you have all of these uh, secondary characters like Mr. and Mrs. Hart, for example, like the committee members. They kind of seem to happily exist in this world. It's, it's again, kind of going back to Pleasantville. These are the people of Pleasantville. They're supposed to be there. But then you have Geraldine or slash Monica Rambo. She is clearly not supposed to be there. She doesn't know why she's there she literally has no idea and she's just kind of clapping along with everyone and smiling and but she seems to have been plucked from somewhere and then it kind of asks the question well, where has she come from uh which and then you know agnes as well is is kind of possibly another another clue um but sort of towards the end of of episode two with the the man in the bee suit and the fact that Wanda clearly has control of this world, it kind of makes me think, well, if Wanda has control of this world, she is making things happen. She is making these happy endings happen. Because in a if, if, a, if a dinner with your boss goes that badly, you are not going to get that promotion. If a talent show goes badly, you are not going to win. But And yet in this world, they are winning. Hmm. So I, it, I think it clearly goes back to... Um, some way of, of processing trauma and grief, uh, dealing with loss. These, I think these are going to become more uh, prevalent in the show as it goes on. Um, and, and, and 
like it's already been said with the with the red helicopter i actually didn't know what sword was uh, until i i did a little bit of research sort of what after watching wandavision and i got introduced to this uh, this concept of sword um because i'm not a, a comics reader i didn't even know what it was uh, and i didn't know what the what the logo on the helicopter was um so for me this is this is brand this is brand new information um <laughs> Just a little friends reference for you there, um, and and I'm really fascinated to see how what what that all means, especially kind of following um, Rich's explanation of what sword is, um, because I think moving forward in the MCU we are going to be opening this universe, you know, <laughs> quite literally opening the universe. I think we're going to be seeing more celestial stuff. I think we're going to be seeing more galactic stuff. Um, like Captain Marvel says in uh, Avengers Endgame, the Earth is not the only world that she personally is protecting. Uh, and that's obviously why she's not around for much of Endgame. Hmm. But I, I, I kind of, I find it quite fascinating where the MCU is going. Um, like, like we've said, we, we haven't been part of this since um, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was um, obviously a very separate to kind of the the events of sort of post Avengers Endgame and stuff when Peter Parker goes off to Europe and all of that sort of stuff. It, it felt very separate in its own little world. Um, but I kind of feel like this is going back to the crux of the MCU and, I, and I'm really fascinated about that. Um, I mean, are you happy for me to go into some little Easter egg type things? Uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I've got my whole <laughs> list right here to run through. But yeah. Sorry, the but only you're on a roll. So go. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I say that is I I know. Uh, I mean, newsflash: I can talk quite a lot, so I I I didn't want to just go into it without giving other people an opportunity <laughs> to say something. Um, but I just wanted to to kind of go into the little ads because mm. obviously the ads I I just thought were incredibly fascinating yes, because yeah. these American and just TV before shows... you start as well Wim, one important thing for for everyone listening to this to bear in mind is that um when Kevin Feige was doing his promotional tour for WandaVision and, and meeting the press, one of the things he kept reiterating in a lot of the interviews is that if you want clues as to what's going on, watch the adverts. All of the adverts will, 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 will ultimately give you clues as to what is happening. Um, and yeah, there's a couple of things that, that uh, I spotted, not just in the adverts, but even in the opening sequence for the second episode. But um, yeah, you, you go ahead Em, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back in later. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try and make it as brief as uh, as I possibly can, even though I'm never brief about anything. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this this is why uh, everyone listening, this is why they've not let me back because you wind <laughs> me up, they, you let me go, and and I can just this is this is how I can have a podcast where I talk to myself for like an hour. Um, but so the first ad that we get in the first episode uh, is about a toaster, and it's specifically a Stark Industries toaster. Um, the, the, the things that I kind of picked up were the, the Iron Man sounds, uh, that the toaster was making, uh, which I thought were quite interesting. Um, and it had this sort of blinking red light. I wasn't sure what the blinking red light meant. I kind of didn't know if that was something maybe to do with Ultron, perhaps. I wasn't sure. Um, but the, the slogan for that ad is forget your past. This is your future. And I thought, well, okay, that seems quite important because the past is something that has a lot of pain for Wanda. 
um, you know, going into the MCU, she loses her brother. Um, she then loses her lover. She, well, before that, sorry, she's blamed for all of the deaths in, um, oh, the city's gone out of my head. Um, oh, Nigeria. In Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, so she she's um, she's blamed for the deaths that happen uh, during the start of Captain America: Civil War, um, and this kind of brings about the Sokovia Accords, um, which is obviously a very important plot point in Civil War. But the the focus is very much on her. She feels a lot of guilt about what's happened. Um, so the whole forget your past. This is your future. This is the future that she wants. This is the future that she's always wanted. She's wanted a future with Vision. Uh, obviously, Vision is not human. Um, so, I mean, newsflash for anyone who does not realise Vision is not human, but he's not. Um, he is uh, an android. He's synthetic. Um, but clearly she has a longing for a normal life. Um, and this is the, the, the her version of this normal life. Um, and then kind of just moving on to the second ad. So in episode two, we get an ad about a watch. Um, and the watch is by Strucker. And obviously Baron Strucker was the guy that was keeping her and her brother captive. Well, I mean, whether they were captive or not, I think maybe is, uh, I'm not sure. But obviously they get their powers um, and they essentially then kind of team up with Ultron. Um, and, and it made me think, um, because then that's the slogan for that ad is he'll make time for you. Um, and... I, I wasn't completely certain what to kind of make of that particular slogan. Nothing kind of sprung to mind. Um, but it seems quite interesting that these ads are endorsed by antagonists to Wanda. So she and Tony Stark have never really seen eye to eye. Um, and Strucker was obviously, again, uh, a person who she probably didn't like very much. And, and I kind of felt uh, with the Ultron link for the blinking light, perhaps, um, was, was kind of interesting. But I, I didn't know what anyone thought, what anyone else kind of thought about that theory, that it's something to do with people that have gone against Wanda. Um, because I, I um, the other thing I thought was maybe they were something to do with Thanos as well. The idea of time and Thanos having control of time because one of the main parts of Infinity War was the fact that Thanos undoes, uh, undoes what, when Wanda destroys uh, Vision to destroy the stone, Thanos then comes along and turns back time so that he can take the stone. Um, and I, maybe that's something to do with it. It's just kind of popped into my head. Sorry, I'm kind of going off on, but um, maybe that he'll make time for you is something to do with Thanos, perhaps? Does anyone else? <laughs> anyone? <laughs> anyone in the room? <laughs> um, personally, I think you are definitely um, on the right track. I would agree. I mean, with time, <laughs> here, yeah, here's, here's, here's a phrase, time will tell. Uh, so whether um, <laughs> those kind of theories are correct, but I, I generally would agree with a lot of what you've said. Um, especially in relation to those adverts, because um, particularly what struck me about the um, the Stark Industries ad was that it wasn't, you know, given that t uh, Tony Stark was a teammate of hers for a long time, it didn't feel like a very pleasant advert. It didn't feel like, you know, the the positive association you you might make with 
um, Tony Stark and, and the role that he played in, in Wanda's life up to that point. So it, it did give me very kind of creepy vibes and the flashing red light, yeah, could very well be a reference to, to something to do with Ultron. Um, it, that, that's entirely possible. So yeah, I think you're, you're kind of on the, the right path um, with that myself personally. Um, did anybody else spot anything else uh, going along in there? Uh, Dan? Um, there, I mean, there, there's a few things. Um, I think in the beginning of episode two, there's like a, I don't know if it was like a vase or something, or like a, a lamp um, that's on the table just in front of them when they were sitting down. Hmm. Um, but that's actually, in reference, there's a, there's a character, I think he's, is it the or something? I can't remember. He, he's a, he's a fast character, put it that way. But um, that was like in a reference to, to that, to him. Um, and he pops up in like the Wonder um, in the yeah the old Wonder and Vision comics, um, but yeah, I think just the the ads um, as you said as you mentioned already um, um, with the the Strucker watch and then you had the Stark Industries tech. Um, what else? What else is there? There are other things as well, but um, that's mainly around Agnes. So I won't I won't go into that one yet. Um, yeah, we'll definitely come to Agnes in a bit because there's, a, yeah. there's, there's quite a few things around her character, I think, as well. Um, I, I don't know if anyone else has um, thought about, uh, I can't remember her name, the, um, the lady who was like the head of the, the sort of the, the, um, the organisation. Oh, Dottie. Like the, Dottie. Yeah, Dottie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you, thanks. Basically, um, Agnes says to Wanda that she's the key to everything around here. And that sort of made like alarm bells ring off in my head. And I'm wondering if she has a bigger part in this whole thing, whether she might be someone a lot more important than the show's letting on in, in that way sort of thing. Um, and obviously there's a, another sorceress out there called Clea, who is Dormammu's niece. Mm. Um, and obviously Dormammu links with Doctor Strange. Um, mm -hmm. One division will be linking into Doctor Strange too. So there could be something there as well um, because she also seems, I think like Em pointed out, there are a few characters who seem like they're, there's, there's Wonder and there's Vision, there's the sort of the background characters and then there's characters who every now and again seem like they're out of place and they have these moments where they're like, who are you or what am I doing here? Um, Monica, Monica Rambeau, I think sort of came in with that helicopter um, because like when the helicopter appears, then you see Monica there um, with Clear, oh, not Clear, with Dottie. Um, there, there's definitely something there, like she's not supposed to be there. So whether she's been brought in as well. Um, yeah, there's loads. There's so much going on in this show. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is. There's literally tons of stuff. I mean, we could be here all day trying to yeah. pick all of these <laughs> things, to be honest, because there's so, so many. Um, but let me, just before uh, Rich comes in, let me just run through a, a couple of the quick ones that I got, because you guys pretty much touched on, on most of the stuff that, that I kind of spotted and the things that were floating around inside my head. Um, but there was one thing that really was, th this was a left field thing by the way but um i noticed in the 
introduction to the second episode where they have that animated sequence that's very much mm-hmm. kind of based on Bewitched. Um, there's a bit in the sequence where Wanda is at the supermarket and she's um, using her powers to make the, the products kind of float into her car. On the back wall behind her, there's an advert for Bova Milk um, as a yeah. milk brand product. And Bova is a way, way left field reference to make because um, Bova is basically, I, I think, pretty much a sentient cow, if I'm right. Um, yeah. And is somebody who uh, played a part in raising Wanda's children in um, the House of M storyline. Uh, now, Rich will, will, will get into kind of House of M and stuff in, in the comics chat in a bit. But um, yeah, that was like a, a crazy, crazy left field reference. And I was like, they're, they're not going to include her in this story, are they? <laughs> like, surely not. <laughs> surely they're not going to include a sentient cow in, <laughs> in this storyline. I mean, I know this series is crazy, but like, they, they can't go that far. Talking <laughs> raccoon. So we had a talking raccoon yeah. in a sentient tree. So. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. And one more thing as well was the. Um, the, the chant in that second episode for the children that, that pops yeah. up a couple of times. Um, again, I think that might be a reference to something that Richard will probably touch on in, in the comics chat. Um, but it, it seemed, it, it was obviously very prominent and very prominent for a reason. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what path they decide to go down with, with this story um, and where they go. But um yeah, I think those were the kind of main things. You guys have done an awesome job here, man. You've covered pretty much everything I was expecting to cover on that. So, um, so brilliant. So, we'll, I guess we'll round up the Easter eggs chat and move in and kind of transition to comics chat from. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. I just, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to add um, in regards to the adverts that um, that they were showing in the in, in each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, can I, can I just add a little? I mean, this is going to tie into like the the overall what I think is kind of happening in the One Division show anyway. Mm-hmm. This will be like a nice little intro, but um, each episode, each advert, I, I, for me, ties directly to a character in particular. So, for example, the toaster for me ties directly to the character of Vision, whereas that the watch ties directly to the character of of um of Wonder, um, like, like them said as well. In regards to the toaster, basically, I don't know if you well, basically when you when you watch Iron Man two at the Stark Expo, no, no, not Iron Man two, sorry, Captain America: The First Avenger, at the Iron Man at the at the what's what's Tony Stark's dad called again? This is Howard. 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 Yeah, that Howard. Yeah, at, at Howard Stark's Expo, there's a a big glass tube with somebody in a red costume, and basically from my com- from my comic knowledge, that character is meant to be the hu- the original Human Torch. Who is who was an android uh, uh, that was mm-hmm. created to um, and who then basically in the comic books fought alongside the invaders, which had Submarina, Captain America, and they fought against Nazis. Now the original Human Torch body was the basis for the body for the Vision to to, to be to be created. So it was the same kind of like blueprint that, that was used. So to me, that kind of like links to the creation of Vision being made by Stark. Uh, but a long line of like a lineage of Stark helping to at some point create the vision, um, and the whole thing of it being you know the toaster and you know where this TV show is set is set during like the fifties, and I mean it's not like how it is today where you know you get like a new mobile phone and it's got like a touchscreen and stuff. You know during the fifties and the sixties, 
like you know the leaps and bounds technology were, were just crazy so you know like you know compared to vision you've got a whole synthesized person that's been made that has feelings that's able to understand talk but they haven't been born they've been made whereas like a toaster is something where it's like oh wow like this is the best thing since sliced bread no this is the best thing since toasted bread this is like a, is a leap in bounds in, te in technology so there's that kind of like throwback um and then with the with the watch in regards to um von strucker like the reason why i you know like em said it could be linked to wonder as far as i know i just always assumed that quicksilver and wonder their powers were given or awakened by the von strucker company who worked, worked for hydra anyway but both of those things linked back to that particular period in time so those tv adverts that we're actually watching might actually be the type of adverts that were kind of being played during that time anyway, but maybe not be so in your face. And then that kind of like leads me into the whole thing of like the reason why this whole Wonder Vision show is, or the Wonder Vision show as a whole is basically each episode is based on something in particular is this is what Wonder grew up on. So she doesn't know any, any better. But before I go too deep, because I'm really getting deep, before I go too deep, <laughs> That's all I want to add, and we can just move on to the next. <laughs> move on to the next. <laughs> yeah, don't go down that rabbit hole, folks. <laughs> well, no, actually, do go down that rabbit hole. It's fun. <laughs> There's loads you just go. <laughs> go down. <laughs> go deep, deep, deep. Um, but yeah, let's let's before we um, start kind of uh, transitioning and, and wrapping things up, let's um, talk about Agnes because we haven't really done that um, so much. And as said, Rich, this will give you an opportunity to then transition into kind of comic books that that people can read if they want to do some wider reading around kind of the things that um, the show is based on. So, um, in terms of Agnes, it, it seems like a very familiar character to me. Um, and it seems like the name is is quite familiar as well. I can't place where I've seen it before, but I want to say that there is some relationship between an, a character called Agnes and a character called um, Scarlet Witch in the comic books. Um, so Rich, is, is there anything kind of uh, comic book wise that might explain a little bit about what's going on with Agnes? Yeah, so, so Ag like I said, this is where, this is where like when I was thinking about it last night, because I'm not going to lie, I was slightly away with the fairies when I was watching um, One Division last night, which I think is probably the best way uh, when you're trying to watch a show like this, much like if you're going to watch a show like Lost or something like that, you can't be fully sober. You've got to be a little bit, you know, off, off on it. But um, <laughs> it, got, it, 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 trust me, it makes it fun. But, um, uh, <laughs> but uh, in regards to Agnes, I think um, Agnes is basically Agatha Harkness. So she was, she's a witch that belongs to like a, a Salem sect. Um, and Salem in, in which is basically um, a, a, a part in America where there was like loads of, you know, which I, I think my, my, like once again, I've said like my history isn't the greatest, but it's known for having a lot of witch history um, mm -hmm. in regards to say like witch burnings and witch hunting. That's, I think that's where the term witch hunting came from. But Agatha Harkness is a, is a witch who used to be the, what is it again? The babysitter or the governess for Franklin Richards of the Fantastic Four. So once again, like I said, once you go down that rabbit hole, it starts to get a bit deep because we already know that Disney have acquired 20th Century Fox and 20th Century Fox were the owners of, of the Fantastic Four. And they have said that the Fantastic Four will be brought into the MCU at some point. But like I said before, 
do not go down that rabbit hole. Let's stay on target, like they're saying Star Wars. Okay, so Agatha Harkness um, is, is a witch. And like we said before, or like we've mentioned before, we know that Doctor Strange is going to be coming into the show at some point, and it's going to be dealing with, with other dimensions and multiverses as well. I think that Agatha is there of her own accord. I don't think she's there, um, like, let's say, if S.W.O.R.D. is there. So we know that S.W.O.R.D. is there. I feel that S.W.O.R.D. are basically trying to get into the bubble that, that Wanda has created. I don't think it's a town that she's taken over. I think this is a whole, this is a whole little dimension that she's created. And S.W.O.R.D. are trying to get in there. And I think that Hydra are trying to get in there. And basically, the person that Vision said is a communist is basically a Hydra agent trying to get in there and trying to infiltrate. And then you've got members of SWORD trying to get in there and infiltrate as well with the aid of, say, like um, Mon Monica Rambeau. And then on the third part, you've got Agatha Harkness trying to get in and trying to be friendly with Wanda and with Vision and trying to slowly coax them out because that little bubble is going against, you know, the, 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 the fabric of, of space and time. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know where I was going with that. Literally, like I said, that once again, all that stuff was just at the front of my head, and it, it just came out as like a dump. No, that was really <laughs> fascinating. I, genuinely, uh, I I didn't know anything. Like I say, I'm not I'm not okay with the with the comic book history. I didn't even know about that character. So mm. when I saw Agnes, and I was like, "There's something not right about it." I literally had no idea who she was yeah. based on or anything. So now I want to know more about Agatha Harkness. And I'm, after this recording, I'm going to go find out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the other, and the other thing I was going to say as well is, is the reference that, J that Jason made to the, to the Bovian milk that, um, that Wanda purchases at, in the intro. Um, I mean, like I said, I think there's little, little tidbits that like Jason said that Kevin Feige said that you need to watch and that will just link, if not necessarily into the characters that are in the MCU, but little Easter eggs that kind of link to the, the Marvel comics in itself. So, like I've said before, I don't think that Wanda was born of these powers. As far as I remember, um, she received these powers from Von Strucker. So there's there's a certain element of say like genetic manipulation, and uh, yeah. and basically and the sentient cow that I can I can't pronounce that name. The sentient cow that me uh, that that Jason did bring up actually lives in Wondergore Mountain. And Wondergore Mountain is basically headed by a character called the High Evolutionary, who is meant to be, uh, he's, he's, he's known to be the best geneticist in, in the whole of the, of, the, of the Marvel universe on Earth anyway. So maybe those are little, little links in regards to, say, the backstory of, say, like, Wonder and where Wonder comes from. Because what I think this show is going to be, this show is basically going to show, like, okay, who are these people, but where do they come from? And that was one of the, well, that was the main question in the first episode. Who are we? Why are we here? And even that bit where, you know, where Vision's boss is just going like, but why? But why? But why? I think that's going to be the main question throughout this, throughout this whole show is like, why? Who are you? Where are you from? And this not only ties into basically, you know, Wanda trying to escape that. And that's the reason why she's created this whole little universe bubble. But at the same time, it's also going to tie into the whole thing of like, of who Vision is. From the time when we saw Vision to the time when Vision gets killed, he's still only been around for, for a little bit of time. So he's still someone who's who's growing. And, you know, like I said, you've got like little moments where he's trying to make the paprika um, um, or at the, this time decide how much paprika to put into the recipe. Whereas to like, you know, him trying to figure out how to have this relationship with Wanda while they're, you know, but once again, in hiding in Scotland. 
So every time we've seen, they've always been on the run or they don't know who they are. They don't know why they are. They, they never seem to understand what they are doing. So I think the adverts are definitely linked to the past, which would allow you to understand what's happening in the present and what's going to happen in the future. That rabbit hole is very effing deep. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much so. All right. I think we're going to have to start winding this one down, folks, because we've been going like nearly two hours already. So um, before we Sorry, go, that's before my fault. Go, can, I, <laughs> yeah. can I go down the rabbit hole just a little bit quick? Yeah, of course. Of course. One, I was right? going to come to so, you anyway, Dan. But go. Good, good, good. Um, all right. So Agnes, right. I don't think she's a villain. Um, but I, I don't know if there's more to everything like this. There's someone controlling Wanda, basically. Um, and you hear the, the voice over the radio saying, um, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Ah, uh, yes, okay. of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So going back to Agnes now, she, she she mentions little things here and there that made me think, oh, like what, what is she all about? Again, with Ralph, um, she mentions something about the devil at some point. Um, and then she also mentions um, what well, she refers to her rabbit as Senior Scratchy. Um, so if you know Agatha Harkness from the comics, she also has a son called Nicholas Scratch. Um, so it's interesting that she uses the, the, the name Senior Scratchy for the rabbit. But if you then go a little bit further than that, there's another character in Marvel Comics called Nick Scratch, or he uses that alias, and that character is Mephisto. Um, so mm. will we be seeing Mephisto be brought into WandaVision and is maybe is he Ralph, is he controlling things behind the scenes, maybe controlling Wanda to make her do this um, uh, yeah, and for people who don't know who Mephisto is, he's a, like a demon yeah. I mean demon he, he's basically people. Marvel Comics version of the devil if, sort of if thing, you want yeah, to put it exactly, that way, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah that, that, was, that was what I sort of got from from uh, Agnes as well. Yeah, well, it's just as well we saved um, that, that to last because, um, yeah, that's a pretty key um, bit of information there that, that Dan has just shared as well. And um, and you're right, you just reminded me of that as well, the voice on the radio. That kind of gave me strong, strong Mephisto vibes. And when um, Agatha, uh, or Agnes, sorry, was talking about Ralph, um, that also kind of made me think, oh, like, who's this Ralph character? And then just little things kind of make you feel like there's something supernatural going on as well as mm. as interdimensional yeah. like there's there's yeah. you know this is not just a, an inter- interdimensional and a metaphysical thing there's something supernatural happening here as well um which might go some way to explain how um dr strange ultimately becomes involved which i, I suspect we probably won't see him until the last episode of, of the series but um uh, yeah, that that may explain how uh, Doctor Strange becomes connected, and then that leaps on into connection to uh, you know the um, Doctor Strange sequel that you mentioned, Dan, uh, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, yeah, lots and lots. As Rich said, lots of rabbit holes, lots of holes yeah. for you to dive down. Yeah. Um, can I just quickly just ask a general general question? And this is this is yeah. probably a. Uh, more of a hypothetical question than anything. But obviously within this reality, Wanda can, well, she's brought back vision in this reality. Mm. Uh, And and whatever this reality is is about, uh, one of the things that I find quite fascinating is that a lot of the theories that we're basing this on 
tend to be theories going forward in the MCU, like you say, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Is it going to be something to do with Doctor Strange? Is it going to be something to do with multiverses? One of the things I found quite interesting, and I don't know if any of the, the rest of you picked this up, I happened upon the casting for WandaVision on IMDb, and one name particularly stood out to me, uh, and that was Evan Peters. Mm. And Evan Peters was obviously Quicksilver in the Fox universe. Mm. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that's quite interesting because it's quite possible in this universe that we could see Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. But could it be that it's the Evan Peters version of Quicksilver or could that be just a complete red herring and Evan Peters is in uh, the episodes at some point, but playing a completely different character. Um, but it, it seems a bit weird to me that uh, with the link between um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and obviously then you talk about, uh, I mean, I know comic book history with their father being Magneto, and I don't think it's going to go down that route because I think X-Men wise, I think Marvel's going to end the uh, Marvel Studios, I mean, is going to stay clear of the X-Men for a little while. Um, hmm, hmm. because of obviously, um, I know that they've recently bought Fox, but I think it's a bit too soon to be talking about bringing Magneto into this world. But Quicksilver's interesting because of the rights uh, over Quicksilver and the fact that they both had a version of Quicksilver. Hmm. Um, but I did, I, as, have any of you heard about Evan Peters uh, being I involved with this? I, I, I saw I a picture. Oh, you saw a picture? I saw a picture of like the car. So if you go, if you type one division into Google, the, the first thing that comes up is like the cast. You'll see him there with a picture of him. Yeah, interesting. I did know he was cast in the series. I remember when he was. And I remember at the time thinking, um, not much of it actually, but now you've kind of thrown that <laughs> thrown that, that spanner in the works i'm now thinking oh my god here we go there's another hole to potentially dive down more, into. Rabbit, holes. <laughs> more rabbit holes so um See. yeah yeah I, I i i didn't really um think of the the quicksilver possibility but sorry go on richard Oh yeah, no. See, what I was gonna say was basically in regards to the voices and the, and the noises that we hear throughout the the town of of one of one division. Um, I I just thought that that was basically people trying to get in. So those are people trying to contact Wonder from the outside, uh, who are basically you know looking at the bubble. And I, you do see in the trailer at some point. I think you see um, Monica Rambeau. Um, getting kicked out of like this, what looks like a, like some form of energy bubble. I'm only, I'm only hmm. assuming that energy bubble that you see is 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 the town of um, is the is the town of um of, of where Wonders created this this little pocket universe. In regards to Evan Peters as um as a as let's say potentially being Quicksilver, that could just be another thing where she's slowly but surely starting to lose grip on reality. So like I said, I think the thing about Wanda right now, Wanda's going to, this is what I think is happening. Wanda's created this little universe and she wants to be in the best place possible because she has lost everything and she's and she is upset. And so the only thing that she knows, or like, like an adult, you know, that whole thing when they say, if you're upset, what's the best thing to do? Go to your happy place. Her happy place, she lived in Sokovia. As far as we know, Sokovia was quite a poor, a poor country. You know, and but they what they ha- did have an influx in was basically you know watching American sitcoms. The same thing with like Quicksilver's um, how he views American and how he views Shield is like oh like it's meant to be this amazing American thing, but you know everything that I've seen on TV. 
So I reckon that's, that's, that's why Wanda's created this universe and that's basically what's happening there. In regards to Quicksilver, I think in the first episode, we've had a glitch in the system already in regards to the boss choking at the table. And in the second episode, we've also had the glitch in the system with Dottie getting her hand cut and the hand being blood red. Um, and then also the obviously the beekeeper coming out of the, of the of the drain pipe. I think that Evan Peters will be a version of Quicksilver from 20th Century Fox brought into the MCU. And he's going to be the glitch in the system where for the longest time it's going to be a thing of like, I'm Quicksilver. I know you're Quicksilver. Why are you here? I shouldn't be here. And this whole thing of like Wanda trying to force something, but she can't bring back um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver for her brother. So she brings back another one. And the other thing that I was watching that I did notice yesterday is the name of the town that they're in is called, is it called Westview? Westview, yeah. Yeah, Westview. So and and so in my head, like, isn't isn't the name of the where what's what's the name of the of the X Men mansion where they live? Isn't isn't it Westchester or is or isn't it based in Westchester? It was based in Westchester. It's based in Westchester, and then so like and then obviously that can then tie somewhat into the the comic book version of Wanda being a mutant. Once again, like I said, I've fallen out of that rabbit hole. So, the, <laughs> so I'm just viewing stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. But, but yeah, cool. that's what I need to add to that. That's what, that's what I had. All right. Brilliant. Cool. Well, as said, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap this up. Otherwise, nobody's going to listen to this because it's way over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, before we uh, do that, um, I would strongly recommend that people, for people who are interested in, in kind of researching a bit more about some of the influences that might be going on within the show, um, there is a, a Marvel Comics art called House of M. Um, which is very, very interesting. Um, we'll tell you a little bit about kind of the Marvel Comics Scarlet Witch and what kind of things she experiences and how maybe some elements of that storyline are playing a part in what we're seeing in One Division. So um, I would definitely recommend you go and check that out. Uh, there was also uh, The Vision by Tom King uh, that came out a couple of years ago. Um, really, really, really good series. Uh, definitely worth watching. Um, uh, sorry, worth reading. So if you can track that down on Comixology or something like that, then um, go and get that and read it. Because again, it will explain a bit about or, or certainly show some of the influences that um, occur in, in, in one division in relation to Vision's character and, and kind of what he's experiencing at the moment and things like that as well. So those two things um, that I would definitely recommend. I've, I've got um, Rich, can you well. recommend something? Yeah, I'd also recommend Avengers Disassembled, which is basically- Yes, yeah, yeah. House of M. yeah. And the reason being is because there's certain things which kind of parallel what's happening at MCU, so, but I don't want to spoil what happens in the actual story of Avengers Disassembled. Yeah, no, 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 don't spoil it. Yeah. But um, yeah, but, but then, yeah, definitely but, Avengers Disassembled is a great shout, yeah. But but then there are two characters that in Avengers Disassembled um, outside of the Vision and, and and Scarlet Witch who are actually getting their own TV show as well, just by chance. So you've got, so She-Hulk plays a major part in Avengers Disassembled. And Clint Barton also plays a part in the Benjamin Disassembled. And obviously he's got his show coming along. And there is, without being without making any spoilers, there is a bit of a link in regards to Clint Barton in Benjamin Disassembled and the Avengers Endgame in regards to people dying and being brought back to life. 
which is uh, something which kind of runs concurrently with Vision and Hawkeye in relation to Scarlet Witch. But um, like I said, I can't really say anymore without giving any spoilers. But yeah, definitely Avengers Disassembled. Um, uh, there's a there's a storyline in Avengers. I can't remember the name of the storyline, but it, it it centers on the Black Knight leading the Avengers, and the Vision plays quite a big part in that. Um, and then yeah, obviously Jason mentioned Tom King's run on Vision as well. So yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, Dan, any recommends as well? Um, I think that covered it. You did well, did it? <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Fantastic, fantastic. All right. Well, um, yeah, as I said, let's uh, bring this one to a close. Um, but before we do that, um, Dan and M, once again, thank you very much for making the time to join us Thanks. today. Um, yeah, it's been amazing, man, having uh, these chats. This is what we live for, man. This is what gets the blood pumping. Um, before you go, uh, M, uh, anything exciting that you're working on on Verbal Diorama at the moment? <laughs> and where can people find you? I mean, what am I not working on? I think <laughs> is, is, is a bit more apt. But obviously, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you um, to you both for for allowing me to come back. Rich, uh, it's been a pleasure to actually talk to you for it's once. It's been special. It's been it's emotional. Been, it's been emotional. <laughs> let's, let's do it again. Let's do an episode, yeah, you and I, just on a Jude Law movie. Um, right, listen, I'm, up, I'm up for that. You don't believe how, how, how up for that I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's been a genuine joy. Um, and it's been lovely to meet you as well, Dan. Um, you too, you too. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, I'm just delighted to be back on Wulong Talks. I, I love you guys. I, I will shout about you guys from the rooftops. Uh, genuinely nicest guys in podcasting forever and for all eternity. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I... What am I not working on on Verbal Diorama? Uh, everything. I've actually just, uh, just end of last year, I, I did a, a little trilogy of episodes on Captain America. Uh, so I, I went through the Captain America trilogy, which was just a, such a wonderful experience um, and has really set me up quite nicely <laughs> for this uh, with obviously talking about wonder and vision uh, because it's still so fresh in my memory. I also watched Avengers Endgame uh, on New Year's Eve so, so again, uh, it's just just really great to to kind of have all of this kind of uh, in the bank so recently. Um, but yeah, it's um, I I am always doing stuff on the podcast. I release stuff every week, um, and yeah, it's it's pretty mental at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Um, but as for kind of what I'm doing, I. I write stuff for Film Stories, uh, which is a, an online website and a magazine, and I write bits and pieces for those, and I, I still do that. But the main thing that I do is the podcast, um, which basically talks about uh, the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Uh, like I say, I've featured, I've featured bits and pieces from Marvel in the past, um, but I just like to feature stuff that I find really, really interesting. Um, and um, I guess if people are interested in listening to me waffle on because I do talk quite a lot. Uh, if they are interested, uh, they can find me at Verbal Diorama on, uh, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Or alternatively, just find me on your podcast app, uh, at Verbal Diorama, available uh, in all good podcast apps. And uh, yeah, I think I'm, well, I'm just trying to think, what episode have I, I think I'm uh, 76 episodes in now. So you've got 76 plus episodes of probably varying quality one of which does contain jason actually episode 13 we talked about the mummy 
mm-hmm. uh, which is my favourite film ever of all time. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, if you're a fan, which clearly you are, because you're listening to me on talks, make out, make sure you check out episode thirteen. Um, but yeah, if you fancy listening to me, come and listen. I'm really rubbish at stuff like this. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really rubbish at saying to people, "Listen to me, I'm great," because I'm like, actually, I'm just average. Uh, but you know, if you want to listen to an average person, then uh, then that would be great. <laughs> Well, thank you, Em. We'll make sure that... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for that being get, average. Yeah, thank You're you welcome. for being so, so average. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we link uh, to your Twitter page and your podcast in the show notes. So um, people, if you're listening on the podcast app, just head down to the show notes and you'll see the links that appear there. Um, and Dan, same to you, my friend. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, thank do you. you have anything you want to plug and where can people uh, check you out? Um, yeah, so uh, for those who don't know me, um, my thing, I guess, is, all, is bringing geek culture together. So I, I cover gaming, movies, comics, all that sort of stuff on, on my YouTube channel. Um, and I talk about various things around pop culture. Um, so yeah, you can find me at Dance Distillery on YouTube um, and Facebook. And if you're on Twitter, I'm at DanTDI2 and on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm always working on new content. I've actually haven't put this out in public yet but i've got a online monster hunter event that i'm working on at the moment for march end of march so yeah that that's sort of the the next big thing that i'm i'm doing but cool. yeah thank you guys for, for having me again it's been, it's been no, really no, good. Thank you. thanks for coming on guys yeah absolutely thank you um as said it's been an absolute treat to to have you guys with us today and and this is what we love you know this is what we love to do man we love to chat we love to chat and we love to chat with chatty people so um yeah we're we're good thank god <laughs> so yeah you're all right em. don't worry you're all right <laughs> but um yes thank you very much for checking out the episode listeners um rich and i will probably do another one of these reviews we're not sure if it'll be a week by week or maybe two episodes at a time uh might be better uh we're, we're gonna work it out but stay tuned well we'll let you know what's happening either way on on that front and that end um and as richard mentioned at the beginning of the show we are working on our wonder woman review and our wider chat about dc films and what's been going on there because even today there's just news coming out that you're just like what so um yeah there's a lot of things going on both politically and creatively with with warner brothers at the moment um so we will be uh putting it out there very soon uh so you can get our thoughts on wonder woman 84 and the wider kind of dc uh universe and what's going on there all right that's it thanks very much for listening thank you for checking us out make sure you listen to the end of the show if you want to find out how to follow us otherwise we're out of here we will see you again real soon take care of yourselves stay safe and we'll catch up with you on the next one peace Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 